Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. Joining me today are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? So, folks, as you know, the new season of Short Treks, which is a, a part of the Star Trek franchise, has begun. And as a special bonus uh, for our patrons, we've been discussing each Short Trek as it comes out. Uh Usually one at a time, but this time two this week uh, in in December, and there'll be one more in January. And only once you, the patrons, have had a chance to listen to all our discussions on these short treks, uh, we're going to eventually bundle them up and release them to the rest of the audience uh, who are not not yet patrons. But because we want to thank you, the patron, for your patronage and give you something special, uh, we're, we're we're sending these out as the these air, and so these just came out in this past week, and we're getting together to talk about them. And so we're going to be talking about these two animated uh, short tracks called The Girl Who Made the Stars and Ephraim and Dot. Okay, The Girl Who Made the Stars, it is a, I would say it's a animation done in the more CGI it's, Pixar style. It's Pixar style. type, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the Pixar type animation. Really, um, these days, even the 2D animation is done on computers. It is. Right. This is they're trying to make it look like Pixar 3D animation here. Right. And so right. the the short form is, is we have a young Michael Burnham who is living with her her parents, her biological parents, as we mm-hmm. we met them in the second season of Discovery. And uh, there's a lightning storm in space around their station and she's having trouble sleeping, and her dad tells her a story of an African uh, tale, a tale from from uh, African mm-hmm. history, um, that to, to kind of make her less scared. I guess it is. It, it really, yeah. and it really sounded like a kind of a typical uh, native nativist religion. You know how how the world came into existence. It kind of sounds along that lines. Yeah. And we've heard this story before, because if you look at the second season of Discovery episode Brother, it mm-hmm. starts with an opening narration in which uh, Michael Burnham says, a thousand centuries ago in Africa, the um, Abathwa tribe gathered to share a story, the tale of a girl who dug her hands into the wood ash and threw it into the sky and created the Milky Way and hidden there. A secret buried among the eternal stars was a message, an enormous letter in a bottle made of space and time, visible only to those whose hearts were open enough to receive it. All my life, when I first heard the story of the girl who made the stars, I wasn't ready to understand. I still don't know if I am. So... Bear that in mind as we watch this episode, because this is apparently the first time she's heard the story of the girl who made the stars when her dad tells Mm -hmm. it to her. Okay, so uh, this is not voiced by uh, either of the character. I don't think this is the same actor who plays your dad. It is. Mike is the same character, and it's uh, Kenrick Green. And if the last name sounds familiar, because Sonequa Martin Green, it's her husband. 
Oh, oh really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. But obviously, Sonequa Martin-Green wouldn't easily be able to do an eight-year-old girl voice, so they have a no. different actress for that. Right. Uh, Kyrie McAlpin is her name. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have, uh, she has a stuffed tardigrade uh, and a stuffed animal. <laughs> mistake. Mistake. It right. immediately yep. popped me out of the episode, and I'm thinking about why does she have a tardigrade here? Right, um, right. I did like, though, uh, they have a CGI fake out with the station because we initially see this what looks like a station and then it turns out to be like an art object in right. her bedroom. Yeah. Um, I also really liked seeing her dad. It was just so nice to see her dad alive and functional in a healthy mm-hmm. relationship with his daughter being a loving father. That was just so nice. I loved that. Right. It's very Pixar, isn't it? It's like the mm-hmm. idea of like a, the family that they and that that is nice. Um, she's she tells her dad she wakes from a nightmare. She tells her dad that she's more afraid of the idea of being scared than she is actually scared, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and an interesting, that's a little pretzel logic there. Yes, it, it it's an interesting character moment for for Michael Burnham. Um, and so he tells her the story of the girl who changed the universe forever with one tiny light. Uh, and we get this the the. In Africa, a thousand centuries ago, the first people so, celebrated so the sun. That's a hundred thousand years ago, which means right. these are pre-behaviorally modern humans. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, my- myths, you know. They would be anatomically modern, but not behaviorally modern. Right. Right. Uh, and at the time, there were no stars in the night sky. Uh, <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. So no other planets, apparently. Uh, and, the, and we uh, need a little girl whose name is Mary Sue. <laughs> yeah exactly right right, right. it is obviously a, and obviously michael uh, and I, we've seen this in other animations before you know animated stories where a story is told and it turns out that the child in the story looks just like you know the the child the story is being told to is placed into the character the role i mean it's a, it's yeah. a it's a trope that you see in animations and in books for that matter kids books and, and that's reasonable because kids identify with the characters in the stories right i mean we right. all identify with the characters in the stories we're watching but kids do it in a particular way they imagine themselves in the situation that they're hearing about and that's fine yep. um what i have as a problem here is this is backstory to a moment i don't really care about if you're going to do a, a short track, I'd like right. to see you do it on something I'm actually interested in. And I'm not interested in the narr- in the opening narration for the episode Brother. Right. It it's mm-hmm. a it's an odd choice. I'm like I, I'm not sure what there This is by the way, so far the only short track that connects to Discovery. So this mm-hmm. season. Direct, yeah. Um, for obvious reasons given the ending of season 2. But yeah, it's what is the what? Why are we why are they telling in the grand scheme? What place does this story have in track? They've hinted that it's going to play more in the future, the -hmm. next season. But I mean, how does that play? We don't know. Well, her mom is coming back, um, you know, next season, I guess, because she was in the future and now they're in the future, Mm -hmm. too. So I assume we're going to be seeing mom. Um. One thing I wondered that also kind of was a distraction as I watched this was because I I kept asking myself, is this really what I'm here for with Star Mm -hmm. Trek? And I don't think it is. I'm not really here to watch children's stories in Star Trek. Um, But I found myself being distracted by, is this a real myth or have the writers just made this up? And it turns out, yes, it is actually a real myth. I looked it up. 
Oh, hmm. interesting. Well, th- to kind of connect, you made two points. And I, just, I think, A, there is going to be an animated Trek series aimed at kids coming. Yeah. They've yeah. announced that. So this might be a precursor or laying the groundwork for that. Uh, but also, uh, secondarily, um, I don't want to get too, uh, too far ahead of ourselves in discussing this. And it's only an eight minute, uh, mm-hmm. you know, animation. So it's, it's right. But there are aliens that show up here that yes. interact with this girl. Yeah. And I think that might be, Father Corey, what you were saying. This might be where it inter- intersects with the upcoming like season we, of yeah, Discovery. We might, we might meet those aliens or whatever. Because hmm. like I said, you know, this, it's really this basically was a, a kind of a typical native religion or origin story kind of like you hear throughout history but then they add the sci-fi element of instead of being you know a a god from the sky coming down in his flaming chariot it's an alien who crash landed on earth and needed to fix his ship instead right it's still kind of weird that how does the alien create the stars if there are stars we're already in the sky that the alien came from (laughs) i'm kind of curious but (laughs) yeah this is a case where i think the mst3k mantra does not apply we we I can't just relax. It's just a show. It you know mm-hmm. um, the I'm learning about. Interestingly, I mean, I also have in my notes that learning about human myths is not really what I tune into Star Trek for. I mean, if you want to tell me a, about a human myth in the course of a story, like you know Gilgamesh and Enkidu at Uruk, okay, yeah, or- fine. But it needs to be part of a bigger story. And right. it's not here. It's the central story. Right. It It's not. But, there's not much Star Trek in this Star Trek. If, if, yeah. if it's, it is a saving grace, though, this is just a short trek. So yes. it's yeah. not like a full story. So that helps a lot. Yeah. So, so, the, the, so it turns Mer- out that. Oh, go ahead. Well, so it, at night, it, it, people are forbidden to uh, go out of the village because there's uh they think there's a giant snake monster that will eat them. And despite that, uh, Mary Sue goes out at night to look for stuff and like a better place to be for the tribe or something. Mm -hmm. And she finds a spaceship with an octopus thing and, and, and the octopus thing gives her a ball and tells her the first step is conquering her fear. And now she should lead her people by example. So little eight year old Mary Sue is going to become the leader of her people. Yep. And uh, she takes the ball back to her people. And as the apparently uh, old man sage priest figure is scolding her for going out at night, um, which I guess is the message of this. It's OK, kids, to go out at night without your parents permission. Um, <laughs> yeah. She unleashes the stars out of the ball, and this conflicts with the opening narration of Brother, because mm-hmm. she didn't have an alien space ball with the stars inside of it in Brother. In Brother, well, it was much more authentic to an African uh, myth, and yeah. it says the little girl dug her hands into the wood ash and threw the wood ash up in the sky, and it made the stars. Well, the myth would would change over the centuries or whatever to reflect people's understanding of the world as opposed to alien. I mean, I, I could I right. could see that there would be differences in the in the myth from. Well, I think it, dad is just spicing it up. It's like a yeah. historical yeah. episode of Doctor Who. You got to throw in the aliens. <laughs> probably, exactly. Probably. You know, one of the things that occurred to me with the, when the night beast is trying to uh, attack her as she's out in in the dark. Uh, it was very much reminiscent of the when she was saved on Vulcan when when Michael went out mm-hmm. uh, with and the Lamatya. Spock, Spock had a saver from the Lamatya. I thought that was a very interesting. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, the, the the moral of the story is the light it was in, the light that she was seeking was inside her all along. Um, yeah, and so then Mary Sue becomes queen, and because of course she does. Yes. Yep. And um, and she's not just a queen; she's a warrior queen. And we <laughs> yeah. cut back to the bedroom where we have a genuinely sweet ending. I like yeah. the way you know uh, Michael's father tucks her in, and it's really sweet. Right. I like that part. Yep. Um, and then as the stinger. We have uh, the Warrior Queen attacking and defeating the, the a sudden jump cut to the Warrior Queen attacking and defeating the Night Monster. Yeah. Right. And so Mary Sue triumphant. Yes. Just take that, she everybody kills, in the audience. She kills the power of the night or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and so this also seems to conflict with the opening narration of Brother, because Apparently, at this point, Michael does understand the meaning of the story. But she says in the opening narration of Brother, when I first heard the story of the girl who made the stars, I wasn't ready to understand. I still don't know if I am. And I'm going, the message came through pretty loud and clear here. Conquer <laughs> well, your fears and go to sleep. Well, no, I think in the in the Brother, she was saying what she didn't under, wasn't ready to understand was that there was a bigger story here about the Red Angel and all of that. Mm. Stuff. Hmm. I think that's what what you're seeing in that. So I don't I don't feel like that's a conflict here. I mean, you, you she had the understanding as a child, and, and it turns out there was much more to the story than she ever thought. I suppose. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to push it too far. This is uh-huh. like, you know a short animation. So, um, yeah. so it so it's okay as a as a um, as a tale about you know um yeah. african you know history and and that sort of stuff it's it's all right but like you say jimmy it doesn't really feel a lot like star trek so mm-hmm. I, I can one, take it one, or leave it one thing i was irritated about in this though is there was a point where once again it's a little kid not talking like a little kid where the father does that whole thing about you know you're you're afraid of being afraid more than actually being afraid and she goes i'm a little kid i don't understand this thing yeah, thank no you, little Winston, kid says that. Thank you, Winston Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's like a lot of like a lot of animated stuff or kids books, frankly, that where the kids don't sound or act like kids. They they sound like and adults. That's, that's just one of those irritations for me. Whenever they do that, it's like, do you actually know kids and understand them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's welcome well, to my. Since life. <laughs> these writers are from Hollywood, maybe they don't. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's put this one to bed. Aha. And oh, <laughs> saw what you did there. And we'll move on to the the other short track that thankfully they released two at once. And this was also mm-hmm. animated. By the way, these are the first two animated Star Trek stories since the end of the animated series. The last episode, of the counterclockwise counterclock wow. incident. I don't know. Yeah. It's back, in back in the 70s. Back in the 70s. I will funny. say I will say just kind of wrap up the, the girl is that's probably the first misstep, in my opinion, they've had with short treks this season. Yeah. OK. Okay, uh, so the- I, I wondered, and actually, Dom, I wondered how you would react to this as a father because I know that you, I'm sure, tell bedtime stories to your kids. I thought it might speak to you in a greater way than it did me or Father Corey. Mm-hmm. I did not have as much of a negative reaction to it as, as you guys did, and I think partly because I'm, I'm sort of more proximate, more used to these style. Mm-hmm. This is this is uh, this is the sort of well, stuff that they make for kids, and so mm-hmm. I, it didn't. Didn't strike me with that. Uh, but as far as I, I got a warm feeling from the dad in mm-hmm. this, I did like yeah. the dad, that connection, that relationship that she yeah. has a strong relationship with her father. Perhaps I think in in discovery, they've kind of int- intimated that maybe Michael was closer to her dad than she was to her mom. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's Kim yeah. across. And so that's very, she's very close to her dad in this too, which I, well, I like that. Well, I, I agree with you. I like the, I like the father. I think he, yeah, he I did done well. And I, but other, the story of the whole, I was just kind of meh. <laughs> yeah, I but my bedtime stories are different. Last night I had Alexa read me a history of astronomy textbook. So <laughs> and I read Tom Clancy. So yeah. <laughs> so um, so let's start with Ephraim and Dot, which was the other one that they released. This is uh, also mm-hmm. animated in it in the more the cell style of animation. It's yeah. obviously again, my, like you said, it's it's computer generated. But my, my my first note was very Tom and Jerry or Sylvester and Tweety esque. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. It it also starts as if it's a school film. They have right. like, and I don't know if modern kids have this experience. This may be mm. another Hollywood disconnect with the experience of kids today. Um, but when I was in school, we had film strips that right. would be shown to us that were of an educational nature. And there'd always be on an old style projector, there would always be some shakiness as the film began. And so the frame would shake and you'd see some you know, scratches on the film and it would frequently be in black and white and there would be a narrator and they start this episode just like that. Right. It's it's in black and white. You have a narrator, you have the same scratches on the film, which is totally anachronistic Uh, because it's the future. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you have a Leonard Nimoy sound alike as the narrator telling us about tardigrades and introducing Mm -hmm. our personified tardigrade, just like you would see a personified animal in an old school film strip. Um, We have a tardigrade named Ephraim, which is interesting because Ephraim is a male name, just like Michael is. But Mm -hmm. uh, this is a female tardigrade, we're told. In fact, she's pregnant and is searching for a place to lay her eggs. And so that's that's Ephraim's mission is to find a good, safe place to lay eggs, which can take years to hatch. So yep. this this kind of reminded me of the 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 film explanation, the the ride in Jurassic Park, where they have the explanation of the, how they've got the dinos. Yes. And that mm-hmm. was all animated, too. So it kind of reminded me a little like that. It does quickly switch from the black and white to the color animation. And it's more apparently apparently real time. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And. Uh, and con. so this is definitely the original series, right? We have oh, yes. the original series Enterprise Kirk, McCoy, Khan. Uh, we have a voiceover from the TOS episode Space Seed. By the way, the, the, the design of the Enterprise in this even is the original series design, not the Discovery style. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, special much, effects. Much stuff. closer to the, the TOS Enterprise. Yes. Um, and so we have. This Looney Tunes style chase through the ship because uh, the tardigrade Ephraim is trying to get in and a security drone, Dot 7, which we've seen in other episodes of Discovery. And uh, in the short trek, it was in the Ask Not episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, So this Dot uh, drone comes out and zaps the tardigrade. Um, And again, like we said, we have this this Looney Tunes style chase through the ship. Physical comedy. Yes. Yep. Uh, the tardigrade sees the engines, uh, falls in love, and lays its eggs on the engines. Uh, then inside, Dot, inside, and then Dot uh, shows up, and there's more chasing. We see Sulu uh, from the episode Naked Time with mm-hmm. the sword, doing his D'Artagnan impression. Um, and then we have the tardigrade; it gets thrown outside and has to chase the Enterprise via warp, apparently, and through time, yep. through yep. space. Where we get images from, and here's here we get we get the giant green hand in space from who mourns for who Adonis. Mourns for Adonis. Yep. We have the cornucopia weapon from Doomsday Machine. 
Mm-hmm. We have the Tholian web. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, the space Lincoln from Savage Curtain. Yeah. Uh, we have the Reliant attacking the Enterprise in Wrath of Khan. And then we have the Klingon bird of prey and the destruction of the Enterprise in search for Spock. And that's yeah. that's where the, the chase ends, because, of course, the eggs are in this Enterprise that's about to be destroyed. And they, right. they made a mistake, however, here on the, the two, uh, the ref, the revised or refit Enterprise. They've called it the NCC 1701A. Right. That, uh, that Enterprise. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. That Enterprise did not exist. Uh, during any of this, the eggs could not have been on the A. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Exactly. So I have in my notes, Star Trek can do comedy, but can it do slapstick cartoon comedy? Um, <laughs> because we have had comedy episodes that were great, like The Trouble with Tribbles is is one. Um, yeah. also, and we do you see know, some Tribbles, by the way. Yeah. What's that? We do see oh, some yes. Tribbles in this one. Too. I know. Yeah. For some reason, there are Tribbles on the ship. And that initially was disorienting to me because we start with the Wrath of Khan scene. And I'm thinking, okay, we're late first season. And then we back up to the naked now. So they've got things or the naked time. And so they've, they seem to have scrambled the order of things. But we, at first I was having cognitive dissonance because we're jumping around in time. And then, and and I see tribbles and I'm going, why are there tribbles on this ship? We haven't hit that episode yet. And then I realized what they're doing is they set us up in the opening narration saying these eggs can take years to hatch. And so they're compressing all mm-hmm. of these events down into a, 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 a single short for us. But apparently we're meant to understand that Ephraim was in and interacting with Dot on the Enterprise and chasing the Enterprise all the way for through years. the original <laughs> series from the first season through the third movie where the Enterprise right. blows up. Right. Like uh, something like 20 years like the, yeah. in, 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 in mm-hmm. the story. And perhaps tardigrades can travel through time like they travel through subspace, you know, because it has to fly at warp, right? And through the mycelial network, maybe it's yeah. travels well, backwards in time. They, they, I mean, that's what was part of the first season discover, discovery is they, through the mycelial network, they actually traveled forward in time. Right. So maybe yep. tardigrades can as well. Yes. Hmm. That's that, uh, that, I mean, you know, if you want to stretch the... <laughs> Stretch the can your head cannon to, to fit it. Yeah. Uh, you can. Mm-hmm. I'm, but so, I mean that's 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 part of the canon of the mycelial network is it travels right. through both time and space. So it's right, not implausible. Right. So we can assume that's what Ephraim is doing here. And uh, so the while uh, Ephraim is trying to save uh, her eggs that are on the ship as it's being destroyed around them, uh, Dot attacks again and uh, Ephraim gets thrown clear. The Enterprise explodes, self destructs, and and Ephraim thinks that. You know, it sees the the Enterprise crashing into the Genesis planet and thinks that the eggs are destroyed. And no, we're very sad. And then uh, Dot shows up and it has saved the little hatched tardigrades inside itself in space. Yeah, because Dot saw them hatching and saved them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so and we, uh, and we have a sweet ending and and yeah. and the narr- Leonard Nimoy narrator sound alike comes back and tells us that Dot's that Ephraim is off for another amazing adventure and we also see that Ephraim takes Dot with her on the adventure because, yep. you know, Gilgamesh and Enkidu at a rook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dot and Ephraim at the Genesis planet. So, yeah. <laughs> so, our, as it says, our new family goes boldly where no one has gone before and they fly off again. And, and uh, we get the original series in music yes. to go out on. Yeah. And uh, speaking of music, it's, this episode yes. is directed by Michael Giacchino, the the oh. composer uh, oh. who who is uh, 
not just of Star Trek, but of many great uh, uh, films that have been out there, including nice. The Incredibles and, and other stuff. So he he's done Star Trek uh, movies and, and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's I, kind I, of fun. He's good, dipped his hand into directing and animation. Yeah, I thought you were going to mention something else about the music. When Ephraim and Dot are fighting in the in the uh, warp nacelles, or in the engineering section anyway, we actually get a new arrangement of the original s- series fight music. You know, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really good, too. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. So uh, so that's so that's that short. Um, I, I, I like this much more than I like the other one. I mean, the other one was OK, but. This this was a lot of fun, even as See, it stretched I, I, reality. I grew up with Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and all those, so I yeah. loved it because it was just kind of an it was as much an homage to the, that style of you know nineteen thirties nineteen forties cartoons as it was to the TOS episodes that they kind of winked at. Right. Mm-hmm. I I liked it. I, I certainly liked it better than the girl who made the stars. I had some cognitive dissonance. I think they could have done certain things to set it up for us a little bit better. Like one thing I found myself wondering about was why does why does Ephraim want the eggs? You know, she's like really keen to stay with these eggs. And I assume she's like because all the narrator said at the beginning was she needs to find a spot to lay her eggs. And I thought she's like a sea turtle or a real tardigrade. She's going to lay the eggs and leave. But apparently we're meant to understand, no, she needs to nest them or something. And she needs to sit on them or stay with them or something. So she's more like an octopus or a bird. And, and I I think they could have covered that in a line of narration in the, in the opening to let Mm -hmm. us know she needs to stay with them. Um, But, uh, but I did enjoy it. I like little things in it. Like there's a moment where um, Ephraim gets thrust out into space by dot and dots looking at her out a porthole and does the live long and prosper (laughs) sign. Um, And there's a lot of fun stuff. Once I got, what they were trying to do i enjoyed it yeah it just it took me a while to get what they were trying to do right i really like the 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 inclusion of shatner's kirk and you know mccoy Mm -hmm. and and montalban as as khan and having the actual voiceover material you know the the actual recorded voices from the original episode that they just played you know they didn't get the real actors back of course but they just played uh, in which case they couldn't put divorce kelly but you, yeah, you know or, what I mean? or, or, ricardo or, or ricardo Maltavon, right but but it's just it's nice that, that like that that inclusion of that that was a very great touch i mean just to have yeah. that connection the original trek was back we like yeah. this is the first new original series content that we've had since the 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 you know, I suppose generations with the with Kirk, I suppose, but mm-hmm. even before that, so uh, a lot of fun. I was, uh, I, I did like that. So uh, interesting. I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, of short treks and of where where Trek is, uh, you know, maybe I, you could do some Kremlinology about why they chose to do these animations of these these particular animations, why they chose to do animation at all. I'm going to guess that as they're ramping up the animated series that they are actually producing. This mm-hmm. is this might have been just a sort of uh, proof of concept or even, you know, in, in a way, a pilot so, situation right. for those animation houses. Yeah, I thought what I thought they were going to do is, um, you know, give us essentially pilots for the two animated series. Right. Um, but they didn't because uh, we we know enough about the two animated series that it, these seem to be standalones. Right, right. Um, but they may be proof of concept standalones. 
Yes, I think that's I think that's what it is, and and, and may in fact reflect the style of animation we're going to see was, in each that, one. See, that was kind of my thought. Is I know we've got the the lower decks, which is supposed to be the more the adult animation, and perhaps the girl is kind of that's the style it's going to be in, and then yeah. there's supposed to be more of a you know like a Nickelodeon level kids one, and Ephraim and Dot is more the style that one's going to be in. I'm I'm thinking it's the other way around. I'm thinking okay. that the one aimed at kids is going to be the more Pixar animation, yeah. and because that's Perhaps. really popular with kids. And then the and the, the older style, more traditional animation, is going to be the one that's aimed more at adults. Okay. And Fair do enough. we know? I don't remember now. Do, do we know where Lower Decks is set? Is it set in? Yeah, it it's set. Oh, in terms of time, time I, and place, actually, what ship it is. Yeah, we know the name of the ship. I think it's the Conestoga. Okay. And it mm. is a ship that follows up on first contact. So it's like a second contact ship. Oh, I thought okay. it was something like California or something like that. I think it was California Conestoga, class. Yeah. Yeah. Because Conestoga or, was the ship from the um, Enterprise episode. Right. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. And do we know what the time period is? Is it Discovery time period, Enterprise time period? I think I've read it, but I don't remember for sure. I think it's kind of original series Discovery type period. Okay, okay. I think that sounds Uh, familiar. um, Yeah, just I'm curious about to see how, yeah, how how where if this was even just like the the even they're developing the style, the production design of what it will look like in the ships and the characters and that sort of stuff. So I'll be curious Mm -hmm. to see that. Um, By the way, I sent uh, y'all a link to the original girl who made the stars of Legend. And so we can include that link in the show notes. Okay, we'll do that. If listeners want to read the original for themselves. Yep. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, We do want to take a moment to thank our patrons. You, our patrons, are listening now, who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. We could not do this without your continued financial support, and we are very grateful. Uh, so that's it from us. What did you think of these two short Trek uh, animated uh, shorts? So we let us know by visiting this post on patreon.com slash StarQuest and leave some feedback there or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. You can always subscribe to The Secrets of Star Trek, the, our regular show, by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Don. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And like Dot, I'm silently making the live long and prosper hand gesture. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli.